a filter. They just watch you and they just start doing it. They just start acting like you and talking like you. Well, I'm telling you, it's time to get the filters out of our minds. Get the filters out of our spirit. And let's start gazing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the more you gaze at Him, the more you will be like Him. Wow. You say, well, why go to church every Sunday? First of all, it's the fourth commandment. That that was a weak amen. When did church become optional? I'm just going to let that soak. When, when did church become the last thing we do on Sunday morning if I don't have anything else to do? On any given Sunday, half the church isn't here. I know, I know that's the trend. I come to church once a month whether I need to or not. It's the fourth commandment. You're only hurting yourself. Well, anyway. You're only hurting yourself when you don't take time to be with Him. You know, if you can't be here on Sunday, then you need to have another day. But you need to have a day, amen, where you could just spend time with Him. Just pray and play and have time with Him, amen? He says you need to walk in love. And then it talks about Jesus, how He gave Himself for us and that He became a sweet-smelling savor. Listen, He says, walk in love. Say with me, walk in love, amen? Now, we know that. We confess that. We all think we do that. But walking in love is a decision you make. It's not an emotion you feel. So if we, we decide then, we're, we decide we're going to walk in love. But listen, love is, love is related to worship. I, I, we, we have got it in our heads, I think, that worship is where I get blessed. Worship is where you're loved and you get to love Him. Now that, that's just a different conception of worship. Because we think worship is a church service or worship is a song. But worship, amen, is something we walk in. You can worship God on Monday. <laughs> you worship God all day long. You, in other words, walk in love. Be imitators, say imitators. Be imitators and live a life or walk a life of love just as Christ loved us. Oh, Lord, 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 Lord. The key, though, is understanding You've been adopted. But sometimes we don't, we don't always connect with that. We don't always understand that. But listen, adopted children pick up the characteristics that they were raised with as well. But this is, and I, I hope I don't offend anyone with this, but sometimes, you know, when, when you get a little older, teen years, early 20s, you get this kind of hankering. You love your parent, your adopted parents. You love them a lot. You appreciate everything they've done. But there's something in you that wants to find out who your real daddy is. And boy, that can lead to a lot of heartache and a lot of trouble. And sometimes it leads to something wonderful. But I, can I just play with that thought a minute? Because I think sometimes as Christians, since we've been adopted into this family, sometimes we still want to go back to our old daddy. Sometimes we still kind of wonder the way it was, especially when times get hard. And then we think, well, maybe my life wasn't so bad. We're like the children of Israel who wanted to go back to Egypt so they can eat leeks and onions. That's all you remember is the leeks and onions? 
You don't remember the whip on your back. You don't remember working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You don't remember being a slave to old Pharaoh. Amen. Oh, glory to God. If anyone's thinking about backsliding here this morning, I got a word for you. Your memories are not what you think they are. And it's not all about the leeks and onions back in Egypt. It's bad back in Egypt. You don't need Egypt. God didn't promise you a life of, a life of roses. He said there'd be a few thorns in the mix. Listen, life in, life in Christ is not not meant to be easy, but it is good. Amen. It is good to live this life. It is good to be adopted into this family. Oh, somebody praise him in this house. Woo, hallelujah. My God, glory to his name. The Lord is good. Taste and see, taste and see. Let's jump down. Let's jump down to verse 20. Verse 20. It says something. I'm not sure why I'm going there. I'm going there. Verse 20 says, Always, say always. Always giving thanks to God, the Father for everything, whoa, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Always, I, I, there's the key to imitating God. Because I kind of get the idea from Eve <laughs> that sin is really about us thinking we might be missing something. Eve had a million trees to pick from. All the trees were hers, except for that one. Which one did she have to eat out of? Well, God's keeping something from me. Well, I'm just not enjoying life, but if I had that apple, it's not about, not, not about that apple in the tree. It's about the pear on the ground. Amen. It, it, sin is always, I don't, I, I feel like I'm missing something. I don't want to miss out on anything. And, and sometimes people that, are, that were saved early in life, they have these thoughts, well, maybe I missed out. Maybe I should have run around a little bit. Maybe I should have sowed some oats. And oh, my God, come on. Those are wild oats. <laughs> you don't get a harvest from those. They're just weeds. Any, but don't raise your hand, but anybody got any weeds from your past? Uh, some wild oats. No, you don't, you don't, listen, you don't need all that stuff. All you really need is Jesus. So sometimes we, we get like that because we're not thankful for what we have. If you stay thankful with what you have, you're not going to be tempted to get a hold of what you don't have and don't need and will eventually hurt you anyway. Can I get an amen? Wow, wow, wow. Look at verse, let's go back up to verse 6 and six and 7. Verse 6 and 7. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Ouch. Therefore, do not be partners with them. You know, when you join this church, we call you a partner because now you're partnering with the agenda God has here instead of the agenda the enemy has. Who are you going to partner with? Oh, Lord, I think I'm losing them. I think I'm losing them. Verse 7, do not be partners with them. Do not be partners with them. Go up to verse 3, 4, and 5. And there it talks about, it talks about what you shouldn't do. And I could spend an hour here and make you all very uncomfortable, but I, I probably won't. But listen to what it says. But among you, he's talking to the church now, among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. Mm -hmm. 
or of any kind of impurity or of greed. Do you all see the thankfulness here? Because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, and here it is again, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater. Lord, the amens just keep getting less and less. The longer the list, the more people drop off. Such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. No inheritance in the kingdom. Now, believe it or not, that's a short list. I know some of you are going like this because your sin wasn't mentioned. Paul Paul did not mean to be inclusive of all sins, right? The point is we need to start walking in thanksgiving, and we need to walk as children of light. Look at verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. You once, not, not just walking in, you once were darkness, but now you are light. Well, we sang it today. What does he say you are? You may feel like darkness sometimes. You may feel at least like you're in the dark sometimes. But I'm here to tell you, he declared, you are not just walking in the light, you are light. So live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And listen to this. And find out, verse 10, what pleases the Lord. Pastor, if I do this, is it a sin? Can I do this and still go to heaven? I hate those questions. I'm like, what? Is that the way you treat your wife? Honey, how much can I do and we'll still stay married? I just want to know what the line is. And I I just go right up to the line as long as I don't cross the line, honey. Is that the way you treat your spouse? This is where you say no. Husbands, love your wives. Oh, that's next week. That's next week. (laughs) How many are still here? Okay. That's not how we treat, that's not a, it's not, you know, what can I get away with? It's how can I please my heavenly father? What, what, I need to find out what pleases God and then do it. Quit find, quit trying to find out what offends him. Let's find out what pleases him. Because if you do what pleases him, you're never going to offend him. Can I get an amen? Wow. Praise him. Hallelujah. God is so good. I said, God is so good. Jesus, help us in this place. Hallelujah. Verse 14 says, I'm all over the map. You okay? For it is light that makes everything visible. That is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper. Perfect timing. Wake up, O sound booth. No, let's see. This is why the scripture says, arise. King James, NIV, wake up. Arise, you sleeper. Rise up from your coffin, and the anointed one will shine his light, literally in the Greek it says, into you. 
not just on you, into. There's a difference. If he's shining it into, that gives us a chance to that not. People say, well, you reflect it. That means he would shine light on you and it bounces off. No, he says, I put light in you. We're not just reflecting his light. We're projecting his light. Glory to God. There's light in us. Amen. Oh, glory to God. We're like that. We're like that pumpkin with you know, the light inside it, only with not so scary a face. This is why the Scripture says, wake up, rise. Glory to God. He said, this light is, is in you. I'm putting a light in you. And I like the Greek word for light. It's, it's, it's the English word epiphany. I'm giving you an, an epiphany. And, oh, right on time, I think we've got um, those definitions for epiphany, it's an appearance or manifestation. An appearance or a manifestation. Another definition, a sudden intuitive perception of or insight into the reality or essential meaning of something. It's a ta-da moment. God gives us an epiphany. It's not just about you being some flashlight. It's about you projecting revelation to this world about the truth and what God is really up to in people's lives. Amen. Oh, praise God. God, give us that epiphany. And listen, so waking up is not a one-time event. It's not that, oh, I'm saved, I'm awake. No, you're the walking dead. It's not about just waking up once. It's about every time you doze off to be able to get yourself back up. Now, I have a very difficult job today. It's like my mother. I'm about ready to take my belt off. But I've lost 10 pounds and I'm afraid to. Just saying. That would wake you up. You'd actually remember this sermon. Remember that time? Oh, Strange the things we remember. <laughs> I, I have the impossible job, really, of, of saying something, finding a way to actually wake you up when you think you're already awake. Well, I would say 30 years ago, I'm awake. Really? No, you're saved. You may be saved, but not awake. And it's a constant thing because... And here's what they say, and I've used this before. You, you've heard of me say it before. When you're, they say when someone's freezing to death, what, what does your body want to do? It wants to sleep. And they say that's the worst thing you can do. You've got to find a way. When your body's freezing, you've got to find a way to stay away. It feels good to go to sleep. It feels natural to go to sleep. You want to go to sleep. Amen. You want to check out. Life's too hard. Whatever the situation. You know, we just, oh, just uh, praying's too hard. Whatever, whatever you think is too hard. We have, this, we have this natural tendency to check out, to fall asleep, to not come to church every week. I found a way back, amen. We, 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 we just, and, and, and it's more and more and more and more and more in our culture because so many other things are waking up. We're awake to everything else except for the spiritual things. Think, we're awake to things we can see and we're dead asleep to things we can't. Oh, that's deeper and you're giving us credit, amen. It's time to wake up constantly. 
I don't know if it's a daily thing, but it is a frequent thing. And we've got to find ways to wake up. Sometimes that's only what altar calls are for. Actually, that's all God's doing up here is just waking people up. And it's funny that one of the ways he wakes people up is to knock them out. I want to tell you the truth. I really don't care if you fall out in the spirit or not. I don't really care. Just when you get up, get up awake. I'm going to tell you something. You need to get in your spirit because sometimes we misunderstand what God's up to. Every encounter. How many know what I'm talking about, an encounter? Every encounter with God is really a doorway to something bigger and better. Let me say it again because you're not getting it. Every encounter. We just get up and say, oh, I was blessed. No, you were, beyond, you were more than blessed. It's not just about being blessed. When you have a Holy Spirit encounter with God, whatever it is, whatever it looks like, whatever God, and some of you have never had one, maybe when you got saved. But let me tell you something. You're in a church that believes in encounters. We're not here to go through the motion. We're not here to just uh, uh, just speak to you emotionally or intellectually. We want to connect with your spirit in such a way that you have a divine encounter with God himself in the spirit realm. A Holy Spirit encounter. If we don't get that done, what in the world are we here for? Jesus, help us. But you need to understand when you have one, don't just go home and say, oh, that was a good service. No. That encounter opened a door. And some of you just stared at the door, looked in. Oh, it's kind of mysterious in there. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if I want to go in there. Oh, but Lord, thank you for blessing me. I want you to say it with me. Every encounter is an open door. Say it again. Every encounter is an open door. My God. And you may not see it at first. You may not realize it right away. But you've got to, you've got to follow up on these things. When God gives you an encounter, it might be tears. It might be just just that, that feeling inside of you that you can't. I remember when I got the Holy Ghost, I felt like there was a little squirrel in my stomach. And I literally felt that for about six months. And, and I'd come to church and people say, you still got the squirrel? Yeah, it's still there. I don't know how it, it's like a little squirrel on one of those wheels. Man, there's something going on inside of me. That, that encounter of receiving the baptism and the Holy Ghost took me to a whole different realm, a whole different dimension, amen. Whenever God touches you, he's not just playing games. He's opening a door to a, oh my God, to another dimension. Ah, oh, God, help us. Boy, if we get a hold of us, it will change church. Oh, come on and praise him right there while I take a drink of water. Come, really, come on, let's take, take a... God, give me a divine encounter. Is it okay, preacher, to pray and ask for encounters? Here's my answer. Duh. You can seek spiritual gifts. You can see... What's it? What? That's like getting married and wanting to know if y'all all ever get together. What are you talking about? 
He wants to be with you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to encounter you. He wants to reveal himself. He wants to take you where he is. Wow. Anybody getting this? Here's some scriptures. Romans 13, 11. Oh, we got to hurry up. Romans 13, 11. Look at this. And do this. And do this. Knowing the time. That now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now, say for now. Now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. People say, I've been saved too long to turn back now. My God, you've been saved five minutes. You've been saved too long to turn back now. Jesus. <laughs> Y'all feel like I'm fussing at you. Are you okay out there? First Thessalonians, uh, verse, chapter, uh, yeah, that. Therefore, I'm so glad they found it. Therefore, let us not as, uh, as others do, mm-hmm. uh, but let us and be for those who sleep at night and those who get drunk are drunk at night, intoxicated on the things of the world. You know, you're a real alcoholic if you're drinking at 9 a.m. Most people, if they're going to be drunk, are drunk at night. You know, I've never been in a bar that had windows in it. Think about it. It's just as dark in there. Come on. Satan's in there saying, yeah, I feel right at home. Jesus. Ephesians 5, 15. No, yeah, 15, 16, 17. He tells us how to walk in the light, okay? See then that you walk circumspectly. That means wisely, carefully. Not as fools, but as redeeming the time. And you could say redeeming the times because it's not about your watch. It's about, it's not about chronos. It's, it's, it's about the current time we're in. The, a, the eons, the, 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 uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the days are evil, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Oh, there it is in a nutshell. And do not be drunk with wine or pot. Got to throw that in there. It's half legal now. We got a whole new problem to deal with. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. There's two dimensions to this. First of all, he says we need to be singing to each other. And then he says we need to sing to the Lord. Now, it's not necessarily that that's how... It's not like we're going to tra- train our greeting team to sing to you now when you come in. Hello, how are you this morning? No, we're not. I, I, I pray. I said, God, what, what is this about? And it's like, again, I'm going back to my old Catholic days. And, and, and my, the nun used to teach music in the classroom we were in, an old, old three-room classroom. I had the same nun for three years. I hated her the first day. God. Still burned in my head. Oh. And every time we took a class picture, I, would, I had to sit right next to her. <sighs> Jesus. 
some people, some teachers you never forget for the wrong reasons. And where was I going? Oh, so she, she had a little pitch pipe, right? One of those little round things. And she'd blow, you know, C or B or whatever. The, the, so then immediately we knew what key, is that the right word? What key to sing in. There were no instruments in the room. Then beep, then we know to, oh, get you, get you. And the Holy Spirit said, what, the reason we sing to each other is so that we can all get on the same key. It's not just about encouragement. It's about unity. It's about harmony. It's about getting on the same page together. So we sing to each other. We speak into each other's lives. We don't just come to church and ignore people. We come, to the, we come to the house of the Lord. We gather at the table of the Lord. We pray together in circles. We, we, we get to that place where we sing into each other's lives. And then we sing unto the Lord. And notice he says it's like getting drunk. And that could be a whole sermon comparing drunk people with people in the spirit, right? My, my favorite illustration is drunk people will give you everything they got. Yeah, the ushers are coming back to see how awake you really are. <laughs> you're, awake, you're awake enough to know not to take your wallet out. You're, you're that awake. No, nah, you've been good. It's been awesome. So there, what is, and, he's, and he's in Ephesus where uh, the Greek goddess Diana is, and she was the goddess of wine. So their, their celebrations were debauchery and sexual immorality. That was their worship because, listen to me, you got another minute? <laughs> I'm going to take 10, but I just thought, why do people get drunk? Why do people use drugs? It's an escape, right? I mean, it may start out as partying, but it's really an escapism. Can't wait for the weekend. I can't wait to get out of here. And it's, and it's a way of escaping, getting high, leaving reality. And you know what? Even on the day of Pentecost, they said, these men are drunk. I really believe there are moments of ecstasy in God. These songs we sing are meant to carry us away. They're actually meant to intoxicate us. It, it's okay to understand life is tough. It's hard without Him. But when we have Him, it actually can be intoxicating. And people will say, ah, we need to take emotion out of religion. What, what, what stump were you born under? What, take emotion out. God made us emotional beings. Now, emotions shouldn't control everything we do, but they're, they're, it's okay to have an emotional response when God is in the house. Wiping our, his feet with our tears. Oh, and our, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to run around here. It's okay to cry. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to feel something in his presence. It's not just about an escape, as it were, but it's, it's it, every once in a while, God will just take us out of this realm that is so hard and take us to a realm where we're, I prayed for someone today, peace. He just takes us to a place of peace, takes us to a place of rest, takes us out of this. And, but here's, here's where the problem is. Sometimes we think that's what church is all about. 
And if we don't have those high moments, then we didn't have church. No, no. Here's what it is. There's mountaintops and there's valleys. Now catch this. Mountaintops are amazing. The air is thinner. (laughs) You can see for miles. The view is inspiring. You're you're pretty much all alone up there because the rest of us aren't crazy enough to climb that mountain. And it's just you and God. It's an amazing experience. Wow, right? They build homes. They try to build homes on mountaintops. People will climb mountains. Why are you climbing? Because it's there. I want to get to the top. When I get to the top, wow. But here it is. Nobody lives on a mountaintop. Can't live there. You can't grow anything there. There's really not much water there. The temperature, you know, the climate is terrible. There's nobody else there. Mountains are amazing, but that's not where we live. So church sometimes needs to be about where we live. It's sermons like this that talk about how you ought to walk. Some sermons will teach you how to climb, but this one is to teach you how to walk, how to treat each other, how to live in the valley. Because in the valleys where the home is, valleys, valleys where the other people are, believe it or not, you have to learn how to get along. You have to learn to put up with people that are different than you. Learn how to walk. In the valleys where the crops are growing, in the valleys where the streams are, in the valley, uh, yeah, the water comes from the mountain, but it's there, but it flows in the, in the valley. That's where he restores my soul, amen. It's where I work and have business, and, and amen, it's not always inspiring. It's not always, whoo, glory to God kind of experience, but it's where we live, and God's trying to teach us how to live in the valley, how to walk in love. Singing to each other in the valley and singing to the Lord on the mountaintop. Can I get an amen? Wow. Musicians, come on. Help me quit. Jesus. Sleeping Beauty. By the way, that was the title of this message. Remember Sleeping Beauty? These, these fairy tales are so, so religious, I think, <laughs> if you look at it. Sleeping Beauty was, was born royalty. But she fell under a curse and fell asleep. It took a kiss from a prince to wake her up. Jesus, help us. God, I can't do this. I can't wake them up. They need a kiss from the prince. Someone said, it's like heaven and earth kissed, and I'm right in the middle of the smack. Remember Snow White bit a poison apple? Hello, Eve. And she fell Asleep like death. The seven dwarfs even put her in a coffin. Glass coffin so everyone can see. But the kiss of the prince woke her up. I can't do it, but his love can. I sleep, but my heart is awake. It is the voice of my beloved. You know, I looked this up in the Passion Translation, and it was so vivid. I was, I, I couldn't read it to you because this is a love story. So the King James kind of masks what's going on here. Can I just say it that way? It's the voice of my beloved. He knocks saying, 
open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. He's talking about you. For my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. I've taken off my robe. How can I put it on again? I've washed my feet. She's speaking back to him. I'm in my bed. I've washed my feet. We all got excuses for not getting out of our bed. I'm comfortable. I'm warm. Sounds like Sunday morning for some people. How can I defile them? My beloved put his hand by the latch of the door, and my heart yearned for him. One more verse. I rose. I rose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the lock. Oh, what a love story. It's his love. Maybe you're not the emotional type in this message. You're not kind of the intimate type, and it's hard for you. Some of you guys, you might be saying, well, that's, that's, just, not, that's just not me. But listen, you're made just like anybody else. You were just raised differently. So get over how you were raised. I'm not telling you how to act, but I'm just telling you that in your quiet places, maybe where, when you're all alone somewhere, you can learn intimacy. You can learn how to be alone. Oh, I feel this presence. You can learn how to walk with Him. Just because you don't express it publicly doesn't mean it's not there. He's knocking at your door. Are you going to let Him in? Huh? Revelation? Behold, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. I'm knocking. Would you stand to your feet, please? Jesus. Mm Jesus.